Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Tonight we're going to return to um, the subject matter that I was ministering on last Sunday night. And I want to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 just as our jumping off point because that's where we started last week. And I, I, I told my husband after the service last week, I said, I, I did feel like I was not in my norm of just getting a certain topic and just staying in that certain topic. I, I dealt with a few different things, but they were all necessary for to help us identify some things about uh, responding to the Spirit of God and moving with the Spirit of God and, and becoming spiritual, uh, developing that spiritual interaction with God and His Spirit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's look at verses 4 and 5. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. In demonstration of the Spirit and of power. We want to allow the Spirit of God to have liberty in our our hearing in our daily interaction with him in our services we want to learn how to recognize and we want to learn how to move with him we want to learn how to uh, yield to him in a service how to yield with him in whether it is uh, a conversations that we're having, how to recognize when the Holy Spirit begins to speak. For instance, Brother Hagen said, one day a woman came to the parsonage and she came in and, and he was still pastoring during that, that season that he was pastoring and she was talking with he and his wife and as she was talking, uh, he said, all of a sudden she began to give answers to something I had been seeking God about for three weeks. She never knew that what she was saying was what I needed to hear. She never knew that God was using her at that moment. But at that moment, she began giving me a word of wisdom and she never realized she was doing it. But Brother Hagen was sensitive enough to how the Spirit was speaking and when, when she went from just whatever conversation she was having in the natural to begin saying things that were answers in the spirit for him he recognized the shift amen and that helped me I was listening to that one day and you know as I was driving back and forth from Kansas I'd listened to it on the way down and it just kind of you know I marked it and then on my way back I was listening to something that brother Keith Moore was ministering and he was talking about a documentary 
I was in the car by myself, driving down the road, just feeding on the word, you know, just, just not, just minding my own business, you know, just not intending to, to have a spiritual encounter. But as he begins talking about a documentary he had seen, and he said in this documentary, it was a history documentary, and they were talking about the Battle of Iwo Jima. Yeah. And they said in this documentary that there was a reason that it was so important for that island to be taken, to be brought into the Allied control yeah. because they had plans to transport the bomb and uh, the, atom, the atomic bomb, they had the plans, but they were having problems with some of their planes. They didn't want to lose the atomic bomb over the, the Pacific Ocean. They were also encountering some uh, air attack, and they didn't want to come under attack and have nowhere or uh, divert to divert to. And so he made this statement. He said, nobody on the ground knew why that little rock was strategic and then he said it again they were giving their lives for that piece of sulfur for that little rock was strategic that little rock was strategic and the spirit of God came in the car with me and all I kept hearing was little rock is strategic little rock is strategic little rock is strategic and it was one of those moments where I knew this is not just a recorded message where Brother Keith is ministering something, the Spirit of God is using that to give me a, 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 a supernatural revelation of something. Amen? In a way that was um, imprinted in my spirit. Little Rock is strategic. So we want to be able to recognize when the Spirit moves. Uh, I was speaking with Prophet Ford and Sister Jesse before the service, and we were um, talking about, uh, he was talking about a man who had used to travel with him a number of years ago, and that this man uh, had taught himself to play the guitar, and then he learned to play uh, on the keyboard. He said, but he could, he could interpret how to play that would help the minister. And he said some people will... He was actually talking about how Brother David was accurate, but he was in how that he would play in a way that would help. And then he was referring to another man who had traveled with him, and he said this man went on to teach people. He started his own church and was pastoring, and he said when you would go there, all of the musicians in his... Uh, music team, his worship team, they would know, they could sense how to flow with the Spirit in their music. How to, and that's important. Amen. That's important for all of us. Yeah. For, for in, in whatever capacity we're called to, what we want to know is how to follow the leading, the prompting, the guiding, yeah. the shift of the Spirit. Yeah. You know, when, if you watch Pastor Steele... You will, you will see someone who has had years and years of following. And when I see, for instance, he'll just be standing there and you know the Spirit is talking to him and he's so quick to change. He's so quick to stop what he's doing and go in the direction. Even if he doesn't... And, and honestly, in the beginning, 
I, I waited a long time till I knew it was the Lord. I, I just wanted to be, Lord, I'm new at this. Can you just tell me again? Just, I just want to make sure I'm not about to miss you when I walk back here. And I found that the longer I stand there trying to get him to, you know, convince me that it's him, the, the more difficult I make it. So it's just easier just to, just to okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move in that direction. And so this is something that we want to have the sensitivity. And the sensitivity is something that we've got to um, practice and we've got to develop. Mm -hmm. Developing a spiritual sensitivity. And so uh, what I want to look at uh, is one of the most important ways to develop this sensitivity. And uh, that would be speaking in tongues and praying with other tongues. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. First, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 4, and I want us to get our motive for accuracy in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, let's look here at verses 11 and 12. Ephesians 4, 11 says, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This, in verse 12, is a progression. He gave these fivefold ministry offices to the church as gifts to the body for the perfecting, which means maturing and developing. For the maturing and the developing of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So it's not the fivefold ministers who are supposed to do all of the work of the ministry. They, we are supposed to develop and bring to maturity the saints so the saints for, can do the work of the ministry. And when that begins to take place, there will be the edifying of the body of Christ. The edifying of the body of Christ. So the fivefold ministry gift offices... And let me say that offices, fivefold ministry offices, because there are some things that I can do when I stand in the office. And that's why it was important for us to make a, a, a place of liberty for the office of the prophet, because he wasn't just coming as a minister. He wasn't just coming as a random person who could preach a sermon. He was coming to stand in the office. When the uh, instruction of the Lord came to Elisha or uh, Elijah to go and anoint Elisha, he said, anoint him to stand in your room. Anoint him to stand in your room. And so he did. He anointed him to stand in the same office that he was standing in. Don't you think it was interesting that when it came time for that mantle to be transferred, and they, they went to the three different locations. He said, the Lord has told me to go to, to Bethel. The Lord has told me to go. And so he said, you stay here. And he said, no, I'm not staying here. I'm going to go with you. In each one of those places, the sons of the prophet, they were, they were there at the school of the prophets. They were there. They were prophets and they had revelation. 
They had some revelation, didn't they? They said, don't you know that your father's going to be taken from you today? They had revelation, but they didn't stand in the office. They didn't end up with the office. Amen? And so when, when he anointed him, he anointed him for the office that he was standing in because it's possible to have gifts in operation, but it's that continued diligence and commitment to the things of God that help us move into uh, positions that God has ordained for us. Amen? That's why he says many are called. Many are called, but few are chosen. It's not that God wouldn't have chosen them. It's that they didn't answer the call. And that call requires diligence. It requires commitment. It requires a, a steadfastness and uh, a, a considering of the, the work at hand to be done faithfully. Amen? And that in that faithfulness, there's promotion. And so when we talk about the, this progress here, he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith. So it's the edifying of the body that's going to help us move into this place of unity and the edifying of the body will come as the saints are doing the work of the ministry. Amen. When we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want us to keep in mind this edifying of the body as we look at this text. Now we looked at this last week and we talked about how 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he identifies specific um, gifts and he goes through and he lists the gifts of the Spirit. And perhaps we should just review them because this isn't a text that everybody hears all the time. And so I think it's important for us to see that it's in the Bible and it's intended for the body. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. There is profit in the manifestation of the Spirit of God. In your personal interaction with Him, in your interaction with Him in the local church, when He manifests, there will be profit involved in that. That is why we do not want to... Uh, quench the moving of the Spirit. We do not want to limit. We don't want to get weird and we don't want to get off. Amen. We want to be accurate. Right. Amen? Right. But we want Him to have the liberty to manifest as He wills because we need the profit it will bring to us. Our church needs the profit it will bring to us. Your personal life needs the profit it will bring to you. Hallelujah. As he manifests. And so we want, to, we want to respect him enough to let him choose how he manifests. We don't want to uh, try to manipulate a service to go in a certain direction because that's how it was so good last time. 
And, and that can be tempting for, for a church body or for, for a pastor to say, it was so amazing, we want to duplicate that. Sing the same kind of song. Do the same kind of things that we did to trigger it. I shared with you last week how Cheryl Salem, who was Miss America, who went on into ministry, and, and uh, when in those early years of ministry, she was traveling in many uh, churches and singing. She still travels and sings. But she was, uh, in those early years, there was a certain song that uh, she had recorded uh, that was, uh, it was uh, widely known. I, I think it was, oh, I'll have, let me think about it and I'll get back with you on that. But the song, she said, whenever I would sing it, the power of God would manifest. And she said, I began finding myself in these churches and I would be singing and I wouldn't be getting the response from the congregation that I wanted. And so I had, I had told my assistant, when I give you a signal, move that song up to the next one in the queue. And she said, I did that for a number of times. And she said, you know what? The Spirit of God responded. When I would move that song up, the power of God would fall. People would respond because it was a, it was a song that was built for worship. It was a song that everybody was familiar with. They could just enter right in and worship with it. But then the Spirit of the Lord reprimanded her. And he said, there, you're, you are mature enough to know the difference between me leading you and you leading me. And he told her, don't do that anymore. Don't, don't try to manipulate the moving of the Spirit by choosing a song that you know is going to, to trigger a certain thing in the, in the spirit realm, a certain atmosphere. Now, that's not to say that we don't prepare and do what will uh, benefit but we don't want to try to make him go in any certain way. We don't want to try to force a service because what happens, people get over into the flesh. And, and they'll get over into the flesh with worship or they can, uh, ministers can get over into the flesh. Brother Hagan would say that he, he said there was a certain minister and he said I, would, I was not in meetings so I went over to see him and I went with the pastor that I had just finished this, uh, this revival that I was holding at his church. We went over together and he said, you know, the first night the man was moving in the gifts and it was accurate. It was accurate. He said, I knew it was accurate. And he said, the next night we went over to be a part of that meeting and the Spirit of God wasn't moving, but that man was under so much pressure to try to give a word and to, to do, you know, perform a certain way that he moved over into the flesh and, and he said he began to operate and it wasn't the Spirit of God. And the, and the other pastor with him said, that's not God. How is he doing that? He's yielded to it. He's yielded to it. And so that's why we want to guard from trying to make him go in a certain direction. We want to learn how to say, I'm following you. I'm following you. I, I'm not trying to make you go my way <laughs> because my way, uh, we won't get far. <laughs> I, I can't see very far down the road, but if I'm following your way, I know you have already planned this out. So the manifestation of the Spirit. I want you to build your faith with this verse, though, because it says, to every man. Now, of course, this verse uh, 1 in this chapter identifies that we're talking to believers. 
uh, concerning spiritual things, brethren, spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So he's talking to believers. So this is limited to believers. But he, the Spirit manifesting, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to... That means you too, doesn't it? Then you're, you're included in that. You're included in that. So you can have a part, but you don't get to choose the part. You don't get to go through this list and say... Mm, let me see. I want the word of knowledge. I want the working of miracles. I will pass on the discerning of spirits. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll take... No, you don't get to choose or refuse based on your desires. Your, your desire needs to be however you want to use me. He says, The manifestation is given to every man to profit withal. One definition of that phrase, to profit with all means, to have something to offer. To have something to offer so that you have something to bring to the table. Amen. You have something to give. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. Uh, notice it's, it's, it's not discerning of devils. It's discerning of spirits. And it's not the gift of discernment. Most people, what they want to call the gift of discernment is the gift of suspicion, and it's not scriptural. <laughs> yeah, the Lord has given me the gift of discernment, and I know... No, that's, that's not a spiritual gift. The discerning of spirits is actually seeing or hearing in the spirit realm. Seeing or hearing in the spirit realm. Anyone who has ever seen a vision of Jesus has seen it by the discerning of spirits because Jesus has not yet returned to the earth. So it, it, it's a, a vision or this operation. So any of these... This could operate in a vision or in a dream, but it would still be considered the discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. So when it's talking here about diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues, that's in public ministry. That's as a, a operation of the gift. There is, and we're going to see this as well, there is... The gift, the, the speaking in tongues, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit for your personal, private, devotional use, for your interaction with Him. Amen? Amen. But there is also, for, for instance, it says the gift of faith. Did it say that in verse 9? The gift of faith. That's not faith that comes by hearing. We all have Bible faith that comes by hearing, Right? It says the gift of the word of wisdom. That's not the wisdom that Jesus makes available according to 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 verse 30. To, through him is, he is made unto us wisdom, right? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So this is the word of wisdom. This is the gift of faith. And the gift of faith is different than the Bible faith that comes by hearing. It is an operation of a spiritual gift that allows you to call into existence. For instance, it was the gift of faith that opened the Red Sea and the working of miracles that sustained it. Yeah, all right. 
to stay opened. Amen? He received it. it. For a person to be raised from the dead, there needs to be the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings to heal whatever they died from. So people say, well, how come everybody, uh, we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover, but for a person to move into the place where they can see dead raised, the reason Smith Wigglesworth was able to see documented cases of dead raised in his services was because he had been faithful in the anointing into that office where the gifts were operating consistently. There have been times that people have had them operate occasionally because as the Spirit wills. But for you to have it consistent in your ministry, that's part of the equipping in an office. I'm helping somebody tonight. So this tongues and this gift of tongues and the gift of the interpretation of tongues is not the same. It is of the same nature as tongues that you uh, pray in by the Holy Spirit, but it is a gift. So when there is a tongue, there will be an interpretation. There should be an interpretation. Now, he, he identifies this in chapter 12, and then he says in verse the last verse of this chapter, covet earnestly the best gifts. So he says, I want you to desire these gifts. And Brother Hagin would say, when they, he would be asked, what is the best gift? And he says, the one you need at the moment. <laughs> That's the best one, the one you need at the moment. <laughs> so covet, desire that. Desire the gift. Desire it to be at work in your life. If you don't desire it, the Holy Spirit's not going to force anything on us. He's not going to say, you're going to work this gift whether you like it or not. No, no. We, we, he wants willing participants, willing vessels. So he says, covet it, desire it. Desire the gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And he begins to talk about the love of God being the way for us to operate. It is the foundation for any of the gifts to have effectiveness. Because if a person, he, he identifies it, if I have the gift of faith so that I can move mountains, but I don't have love. So is that possible? That a person could operate in a gift and not have that foundation of love? He says it's possible, but it's not going to have effectiveness. My identity is not in a gift that I operate in because it's not my gift. It's the gift of the Spirit. I am not a, a stronger Christian because a certain gift might have operated in my life or does operate in my life. It doesn't make me a better, it doesn't make me important in it, more important than anybody else. It's his gifts. He operated it. I was just a vessel. I was just, I was just willing to be used by God. Amen? So he says that love is the more excellent way. Love is the more excellent way. And he goes through and he talks about love all through chapter 13. But then he says in 14.1, follow after love. Follow after charity. Follow after love. And that word follow means like a hunter would put on all of his hunting gear, get all of his hunting equipment, and go out to, to hunt uh, the, the prey and track it. 
They, they go out and they'll track it. They'll look for the signs of, of where the direction of, uh, of where that, that animal might be hiding or where that animal is. They, they track it. He, that's what that word follow means. Track love like you're hunting it, like a hunter is, is hunting after deer, hunting after, uh, you know, wild game. Track it, follow it, hunt after it. And desires. Now we're back again. Desire. Now let's identify what was going on in the church at Corinth. The Corinthian church had a lot of zeal. They had a lot of spiritual activity, but they did not have the foundation of love developed in them yet. And that's why in chapter 11, for instance, he has to deal with them about taking communion. He says they were taking communion with respective persons. And they were making communion something casual. And it was chat and chew. Mugs and muffins. They weren't coming towards the, the Lord's Supper with honor, with respect. And because of it, they weren't receiving the wholeness that is in the Lord's Supper. And he said at the same time that they were showing respect of persons because they were coming like it was uh, uh, laying out the family picnic after church, you know. They didn't have ushers distributing communion baskets. They were bringing their, their, their loaves of bread and potato salad and fried chicken and just laying out this huge supper and people who were not as well uh, furnished were coming and being looked down on. So what was he dealing with? He was dealing with their love walk. Yeah. And he, he called it recognizing or discerning the Lord's body. He, not just discerning the broken body of the bread or the shed blood of the cup, but discerning the Lord's body that these are my brothers and sisters in Christ and my purpose is not to have a chat and chew, but my purpose is to come and honor the Lord and show love among the brethren. And so he had to deal with them about that. Amen? Amen? So there were some issues. And in chapter 14, he deals with them about some other issues that they are needing adjustment in. So he says, follow after love, hunt it, pursue it. One translation says, be, be constantly pursuing, earnestly endeavoring to acquire love, and then desire spiritual gifts but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God, for no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Now we're, we're going to come back to that and we're going to glean a lot of revelation from that, but let's identify what he's correcting first because there's revelation in it for us outside of the correction, but let's find out to put it in perspective what the correction is. Their correction is that they were speaking in tongues in the service without an interpreter. They were, they were not coming to do that for the purpose of edifying anybody or helping anybody to grow, but they just wanted to be doing something spiritual having a spiritual response in the service. So he says, I want you 
to, he says, that you may prophesy. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God, for no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries, but he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when the gift of prophecy is in operation, we will have edification, exhortation, and comfort. The gift of prophecy is not the foretelling. The word of wisdom is the foretelling. We, the office of the prophet has a foretelling because most generally the office of the prophet will have the operation of the gift of the word of wisdom or the gift of the word of knowledge or both perhaps at work in their office, equipment for the office. So when a person is prophesying, that is not speaking of the future according... Is it in your Bible? Does it say that he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort? That is the result of the gift of prophecy. Amen? Amen. So prophesy means to speak forth. It doesn't mean to tell the future. It means to speak forth. It means to bubble up, to be like a fountain bubbling up. And so out of your spirit, you're going to speak things from God that edify, that exhort, and that comfort people. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. Oh, now we have the reason why he's having this conversation. What was he dealing with? The edification of the church. He says, these are the gifts of the Spirit. He's given them to every one of us to have something to profit with all. And there, the manifestation of the Spirit will profit us. But I want you to hunt and pursue after love. And I want you to desire the gifts on your love pursuit. Why? Because the purpose is the edification of the church. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. I would that you all spoke with tongues. Now, so now we are identifying. He's not saying that it's a lesser than. He's saying the purpose in the church is that the people who are in the church get strengthened. Love has that focus. Not what I'm going to get, what is going to happen in the family. That our family is strengthened, that the church family is made stronger. Amen? Amen. So he says, I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesies, not greater of importance in, in individually or, or even oh, that person is a greater value, it means that gift has a greater effectiveness. Greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except that he interpret. Why? Because if you have tongues and you have interpretation of that tongues, they equal prophecy. They will have the same result as, as the edification, the exhortation, and the comfort that prophecy has. So 
If there is someone in the gift of tongues giving, an, giving a, 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 a tongue, there should be either that person or someone else in the church that can interpret that. Why? Because the purpose is the church is edified. I don't want to bring confusion. I don't want to bring confusion. Amen? So he says that the church may receive edifying. Now go over, let's continue. I'm just going to continue here. Brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? If I come speaking in tongues, let's say for instance, if I were to stand up here tonight and I'm just going to choose an English tongue or, or a, a, a human tongue. What if I were to stand up here and say to you, Gloria a Dios, nuestro Padre Celestial quiere enfocar uh, su bendición sobre su vida al punto que usted tiene una fuente de su gloria en su vida. Was anybody edified by that? Unless you know Spanish, that did not edify you. Why? Because you don't know what I said, but it was good. I'm telling you, it was good. Said so the Lord wants to focus His blessing over you to the point that you have a fountain of His glory in your life. Amen? Hallelujah. So if a person comes and, and speaks with the tongue of angels... Did, did chapter 13, 1 begin, If I speak in the tongue of men or angels, but I have not love? So what if a person stands up and they begin to speak in tongues and nobody has an interpretation? There was no edifying. No, no exhortation, edification, or comfort. Amen? So he says, I should be speaking by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or by doctrine, even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So the, the importance of allowing the Spirit to be accurate if we are going to have tongues, we need to either know that there's someone here who can interpret the tongue or I can interpret the tongue. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So he says, Likewise, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks a barbarian, and he that speaks shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so ye, forasmuch as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, and they were, you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. There we see it again. We saw it in Ephesians 4. We saw it in verse 5 of this chapter 14. And we see it again. He's saying, Seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. 
If every church member comes in with a determination and a desire, I want to, to manifest as the Spirit wills His gifts to the edifying of the church. If our desire is that, the edifying of the church, that I could be a blessing, that I could minister to somebody, then it will be uh, something that He can use us in in a stable way. Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Put that on our prayer list, don't you? Just need just go ahead and put that on the prayer list. Pray that I interpret. Now, that can be in your personal life as well. That you can... That's not to say that you're going to have an interpretation of everything you say in tongues when you're praying. But you can, when you're praying about something and you know God's dealing with you as you're praying with this, you can say, Lord, I, I am believing you that I will interpret, that you would give me an understanding of what I'm praying about. Amen? For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we don't just uh, give up any praying in the, in the English, praying in the known arenas of what to pray. He says, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Hallelujah. So he says that I can sing with the Spirit. I can sing with the Spirit. I can pray with the Spirit. Else when you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at your giving of thanks? seeing he does not understand what you're saying. For you verily give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So when you are praying or singing in tongues, you can be giving thanks well. Hallelujah. But that's not the purpose in the church, in the service, let's say it that way. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all, Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men or be of a ripe age, my center column says, be mature in understanding. What was he talking about? Understanding of spiritual flow, spiritual gifts. Hallelujah. He wants us to be understanding of these. He wants us to be understanding. And he, the, the foundation he keeps taking us back to is if your desire is the edifying of the church, if your desire is that people be strengthened, if your desire is that the church family be edified, hallelujah. 
That needs to be the premise of why we are doing what we're doing where ministry is concerned, where, where any spiritual gifts in operation that I want to be a blessing. Hallelujah. So with this understanding, let's go back and look at a few of these things that we looked at in context so that we could see why he was saying it because of their, their error. But there is also a lot of revelation. So go back with me to chapter 14, verse 2. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Not unto men, but unto God. Hallelujah. So let's talk about our personal speaking in tongues in our praying. Hallelujah. I'm speaking to God. I would not use praying in tongues or speaking in tongues to deal with the devil. There's no scriptural evidence that tells you to pray in tongues against the devil. Pastor Steele went to Africa with a group uh, from the Kansas location. It's probably been about 14 years ago. And uh, the two of the ladies who went with him on this trip, they had gotten there a day or so before him. And they said uh, we, he had an issue with his uh, passport. And so he got delayed in going. And so uh, they were there a couple of days. And when he got there, they said, oh, we encountered this person who was demon-possessed. And he said, what did you do? And they said, well, we just laid hands on him and prayed in tongues. And, and he thought, I didn't teach you that. What are you doing praying in tongues? That's not how we exercise authority over the devil. If you are dealing with someone who is under oppression or, or possession of the devil, speaking in tongues is not the way to, to uh, take authority or dominion. In the name of Jesus, that's how you deal with the devil. And you, you take authority and exercise that authority by telling him to get out, to leave that person, to be removed. You speak specific commands and you speak in the authority of Jesus' name. When we are praying in tongues, this is the Holy Spirit helping us pray to God. Amen? Amen. He that speaks in tongues speaks to God. He that speaks in tongues speaks to God. Hallelujah. Notice it also says, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. Mysteries. That word mysteries, one of the definitions of that word is plans, strategies. Hallelujah. So when I'm praying in tongues, I'm praying in the Spirit to the Lord. I'm speaking strategies. I'm speaking out the plan. I'm praying out the plan. And this is, this is, this is what the Holy Spirit dealt with me. He said, I need my people to begin praying out the plan. I need you to pray in tongues. Why? Because there are some things you don't know you need to pray about. I don't know the details of how to pray it. 
But when I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking out the plan. I'm praying out the plan. Hallelujah. So he that speaks in tongues, let me see this one from the Amplified. Let me see verse 2 from the Amplified. I have part of it, but let me see it on the screen if I could, please. Hallelujah. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. Hidden truths and or secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. Do you see now why we need to take full advantage of this benefit of being able to pray with the help of the Spirit of God so that we can pray about some secret things? Uh, you know, there's a reason that Mary hid some things in her heart. Things about Jesus, she hid them in her heart. I, I think it is beneficial when God begins to deal with you not to go tell it all all the time unless you have liberty to tell it. Why? Because the devil don't know everything God's talking to you about. He's not getting your revelation as you're getting it. He only gets it when you open up your mouth and begin to, to, to publicize it. So there are some things we need to keep in secret until they get to a place, till God has them developed and worked and, and, and at that place and He gives you the liberty to begin to go ahead and start sharing it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Secret things, hidden things, not obvious to the understanding. If we only pray what's obvious to the understanding, we are limiting ourselves in the plan of God. We are limiting what God has, has provided for us as a, a benefit, an advantage. I want to take the advantage. I, I've shared this before, but I just got to tell it again. There was a woman who was in a competition show. It was a cooking show on HGTV. And she had gotten to a certain point in this competition that if she won a certain amount of, of answered a certain couple of questions right, she would get an advantage given to her. And so she answered the questions right. She won that, that gift. And her advantage was that she would have a world-renowned baker in her kitchen with her for 12 minutes during this competition and she could have that baker do anything. It was a competition about a dessert and so she could have this baker do anything for 12 minutes. 12 minutes in the kitchen with her. What an advantage. This world-renowned baker comes into the kitchen and says, what do you want me to do? And she hands the baker a knife and a cutting board and says, you cut the strawberries. You want me to cut fruit? I'm here to give you an advantage. I could make you. In 12 minutes, I could create and prepare and hand to you. You know, think about what that baker was thinking. I could do in 12 minutes what would give you the, the, the ace in the hole. Yeah. Yeah. 
and you want me to cut fruit? She did not take advantage of what benefit had been given. And that's what happens when we limit ourselves to only praying what we have the understanding about. If we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to help us pray out the strategy and pray out the secret hidden things, hallelujah. So it says here in verse 4, He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Now again, the reason he was saying it to the church was because of what, how they were behaving in the church. And he was saying in the church service, we don't need to be edifying ourselves. We need to be edifying the, the family, edifying the church. But we're going to take it out of that and pull the revelation out. When I pray in tongues, I am edifying myself spiritually. It's a way of spiritual edification that, that is unlike any other way of being strengthened. This word edify, we would liken it to charging a battery. Now, when I go into an airport, now they have charging stations. And you see flocks of people. They're either at the Starbucks counter or at the charging station, plugging in their phones and their tablets and their computers so that they can recharge because they've been on a five-hour flight and they used all their batteries. And now they're in between flights and they want to get some more battery for the next flight so they can keep reading or keep watching or whatever they were doing. Right? So they need to recharge their battery. Edify. That's what this word edify means, to recharge the battery. When you pray in tongues, you are charging your spiritual battery. You are charging your spirit with supernatural strength. And this is one of the most important ways for you to be sensitive to the spirit. If you are allowing him to pray through you, you become sensitive to him, to his presence, to his promptings. Because when you pray for a while... Now, here, here let me give you a a um, side note, a footnote to that. Don't pray in tongues and put your mind on autopilot. Amen. I know it can be done. I have done it myself. And I've had to catch myself and say, wait, wait, wait. Because remember it said, when I pray in tongues, let me read it again in, in uh, chapter 14, verse 14. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So my spirit is praying and my spirit is receiving that supercharge, but my understanding has a tendency to want to think about my grocery list. Think about my to-do list. Did, did I get those clothes out of the washer and into the dryer? Did I remember to, to set this out for the morning? Right? My mind, my natural mind tends... Why? Because I'm not engaging it when I'm praying in tongues. There was a, a woman who had had a stroke and her son went 
he was able to communicate with her. She was able to nod her head, but she wasn't able to speak. It had affected her speech. And he was shocked because he went to the uh, rehabilitation center and he was asking her some questions about the insurance and about some, uh, some you know, legal matters. And she was nodding her head, yes or no. And he said, okay, mom, you know, let's pray before I leave. And he said, we began to pray. And she began to speak in tongues as clear as day. And he said, Brother Hagen, how is it that she can't speak in English? But when she begins to pray in tongues, she can pray in tongues without any issue. If you think about Dr. Savell, you know, a, a year and a half, two years ago, he had the... Uh, uh, stroke when he was in that procedure where they were cleaning out that artery and the plaque broke loose and went into his brain and he had a stroke. And when he woke up, he couldn't remember his wife's name. He couldn't remember his children's name. He could not remember one scripture. But he could pray in tongues. He could pray in tongues. Now, what did his spirit need to help him get that? See, he, he received his restoration within 30 days. He, he was back in the pulpit. I mean, he had to do all of the physical therapy to get his arm to work again where they were hiding nickels in the clay and he would have to take that and try to work it out. He went into his, his garage where he has his motorcycles and, and collectible cars. And he said, I went in there one day and said, I'm not leaving here till I remember how to start my motorcycle. He couldn't even remember how to start his motorcycle. And he stood in front of it and prayed in tongues until he remembered how to start the motorcycle. The restoration, the edification came. His mind wasn't needed to pray in tongues, but it benefited. It was, it was unfruitful in the... It wasn't necessary for his mind to work, for his spirit to be able to pray. When I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, not my mind. I don't need my mind to be able to pray in tongues. But for you to choose to pray in tongues, you're going to have to make the decision with your mind. I'm going to pray in tongues. If you ever heard Brother Hagen talk about it, he said, I was raised in a denomination. He said, when I came out of the Baptist, and uh, actually he said, I was given the left foot of fellowship uh, because he got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to pray in tongues. And so he went over to the full gospel churches and he said, they told us that we could only pray in tongues when the Spirit of God came upon us, when the anointing was heavy in the church. That was the only time you could do it. And he said, but I came to this scripture that says, I will speak I will pray in the understanding. I will pray in the Spirit. He said, Lord, do you mean I can will to pray in the Spirit? I can choose to pray in the Spirit? And he said, I, you mean I can pray in the Spirit as long as I choose to? And he said he determined in his heart to pray for an hour. And the whole time the enemy was telling him, you are wasting your time. You're just talking gibberish. You're just... You're just Run in your mouth. You're wasting your time. He said, if you keep messing with me, I'm going to pray another hour. Well, the attack continued on his mind, so he ended up praying two hours. 
and three hours and four hours. And he said about five and a half hours in, he said, I hit a gusher. I hit a gusher. Hallelujah. And he said, it was at that point, it was not, it was not easy. It was something he was having to make his flesh do. He was having to do it because he saw it in the word. I can will to pray in the spirit. And, and he said, after that, it was never difficult to get back over into that place. Hallelujah. And so as you yield to the Spirit of God and allow Him to pray through you and to help you pray, praying in these mysteries, speaking unto God, supercharging your spirit, your mind may be unfruitful, but you still need to bring it under subjection. Make yourself pay attention to how you're praying. Make yourself pay attention. Make yourself give attention um, to, to promptings and leadings because there may be times that as you're praying, you will begin to hear uh, uh, words in English and pray those out. Hallelujah. I shared with you the uh, testimony of uh, Philip Halverson, how he began to pray in tongues. He said, I would find myself in the, uh, calling out people's names. I would find myself calling out their names and praying specific things. And, and, uh, and, and, and God, he, he was mightily used in that way. Mightily used in that way. And so when you are praying, even though your mind is unfruitful, keep it under control of your spirit. Keep yourself paying attention. And here's one way that has helped me. And I heard Creflo Dollar and Brother Copeland both share this. They kind of had this conversation together. And they said that they would begin to exercise Mark 11 over when they were praying in tongues. They would stop and they would say, I believe I receive what I just prayed in the Spirit. So they're stopping and they're releasing their faith over all of those mysteries, all of those strategies, all of those plans that they've just prayed and they're releasing. You don't have to know it with your head to believe it with your heart. I believe I receive everything I just prayed. Amen? And that's one way to keep yourself engaged so that you don't try to just pray in tongues with your mind on autopilot. So, uh, hallelujah. Stop and release your faith over it. Hallelujah. So, We've seen here that when we uh, pray, we speak to God, we speak mysteries, hidden things, plans, strategies. When we pray in tongues, we edify ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's go over and look at Romans chapter 8. And it's a, a familiar one when we're discussing praying with tongues, and we'll probably bring it to a close here. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. The word infirmity is not talking about a physical ailment or a sickness. It is the word weakness. Weakness. The Spirit helps our weakness. And then he explains what the weakness is. For we know not 
what we should pray for as we ought. That's the weakness. That's the weakness. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought. We, we know a lot of things we need to pray for and we do that. But there are some areas where we are falling short in the knowledge because we don't see the whole picture. We don't have all the details. That's the area of weakness. We don't know how to pray for everything the way we ought to pray for it, but the Spirit will help us then. In that situation, He will help that area of weakness. So you don't have weakness if you have His help. You only have weakness if you forfeit His help. But if you're yielding to His help, it covers the weakness. It covers that area where we lack understanding about praying. The Spirit helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself, we never want to say it because He is a person, the third person of the Godhead. So the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That does not mean He does our praying and we can roll over and go to sleep. Or that we can just say, I don't need to pray. He's going to make my intercession for me. He's going to make it for you with you. He's going to make it for you as you're praying. He's going to give you the words. He's going to give you the unction. He's going to help you and pray it out in words that you don't understand and know, but they're exactly what needs to be prayed, what ought to be prayed in that situation that you don't have the details of in your natural mind. Hallelujah. So... If I am not yielding to His help in prayer and giving sufficient time in prayer, let me, let me talk about the time because, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but let me just ask you. I'm, going, I'm not even going to look at anybody. You see me? I'm just looking up at the sky. Ask yourself, when was the last time I prayed 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour in the Spirit? See, I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm not looking at anybody. We've all got to allow the Holy Spirit to, to help us develop in our interaction with Him. But here's the thing. If I go to minister uh, in, in another city and the pastor and his wife come and they say, Pastor Michelle, I want to take you and show you around my city. And I get in the car and I say, okay, you've got 10 minutes. You can have 10 minutes of my time. Well, then they can drive five minutes out and five minutes back, and that's all I get to see because I have just limited what they can show me by how much time I am allowing them. How much do you want the Holy Spirit to show you about your future? How much do you want him to show you about how to bring you out of debt? He knows how to bring you out. He knows how to help you pay off your house. He knows how to help you minister to your unsaved family. He, know, he knows things you've been trying to figure out, right? But how much time are we going to give him on this trip? If we're only giving him 10 minutes, he can only take us five minutes out and five minutes back, and that's all we get to see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Spirit helps 
this area of weakness by helping us pray as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The um, P.C. Nelson, who was a Greek scholar, he said this, this phrase, groanings which cannot be uttered, was talking about in, uh, inarticulate speech or speech that is not in a human language or an understood language. So it's not just groanings of, of the sound of groanings, but it's speaking out of your spirit in things that your mind doesn't understand to be a known language. Hallelujah. It's times that people can pray in tongues and, and other people may understand what they're saying from another, another language. But there are times that we're praying and it's not a known language. So he says, this is the Spirit of God helping us. He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when I pray in the Spirit, I am praying according to the will of God. Amen. He's making intercession through me in that language that in a way that it is the perfect will of God. I'm not praying anything that's off. I'm not asking for anything that's off. That means I'm not asking too small. Right. Hallelujah. I'm asking in line with the will of God. I'm praying God's best. Hallelujah. According to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. This verse starts with a conjunction. It starts with the word and. You cannot pull it out and use it disconnected from the previous verse. This is not saying that bad things, God causes them to work together for our good. That's not the intent or the revelation of this scripture. There are bad things that happen and, and God wasn't in it and He's not making it work together for their good unless they begin to call on the name of the Lord and get His involvement in their situation. This verse is saying that when we are participating with the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to pray the will of God through us, that's how we know all things work together for good. I just prayed out the answer. I just prayed out the will of God. That's how all things work together for my good. Amen. Hallelujah. Because I've prayed in the Spirit. And He has prayed the perfect will of God. In a way that I didn't know how to pray about it that way. I didn't know how I ought to pray in that situation. But I wasn't left Amen. weak. Amen. I wasn't left at a disadvantage. Yeah. He gave me the advantage because he prayed the will of God. And because of that, all things work together for good. Amen. The Amplified brings this out. The Weiss, I'm gonna, while they're pulling up the Amplified, the Weiss translation says, all things are working together resulting in good. They're working together because we prayed it. The Amplified says, God, being a partner in their labor, 
all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God being a partner in their labor is the key issue. How is He a partner in our labor? You know, God is involved in your prayer life. It's not one-sided. He's given us His Word. Take this to your prayer room with you. Take this to your time. Don't go to prayer without the book. Take the book into the presence of God because this is how He's going to speak to you. This is what He's going to refer you to. And He wants you to refer Him to the... Lord, you said you're my ever-present help in time of trouble. Lord, you said you're a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Lord, you said you'd make a way for me. You'd make a way in the wilderness for me. That you would make water come out of a rock and cause my desert to bloom. Lord, you said that by your stripes I am healed. Amen? So he helps us in prayer by his word and he helps us in prayer by his spirit. God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good. Did you find it in 828, the Amplified? Hallelujah. We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan. There we go back to praying the mysteries again. The mysteries. How are we making the, the plan fit together? We're praying it out. Praying it out. So this is going to take some time, isn't it? It's going to take us it, getting over to that place where we are, are willing to pray in the Spirit with the, knowing that I may not have all of the information in my head, but I know that I'm getting some things charged in my spirit, and I'm getting some things answered in my situation because I'm praying the perfect will of God in this situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I do not have to have my understanding engaged to, to access with my faith. I believe I receive what I've just prayed in the spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to stop there for now, and we'll see where the Lord takes us in our next opportunity to talk about that. But, but now we know it, there's some time, it, it, depending on how much you want to see in your sightseeing trip with the Spirit of God. When He wants to take you and show you some things, you're going to have to have more than just five minutes to give Him. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for how you help us. Lord, I just, I'm so grateful for all of your benefits, your advantages. Lord, you have set us up with the victory already established in Christ. You have given us of your word, of your spirit, all that we need to live this life in complete victory, in complete peace, and in the blessing, I thank you for it, Lord. And Lord, I pray that what you've ministered to us tonight, that we would all take it home, take it to heart, and put more um, emphasis on the help that you, by your Spirit, desire to, to give us in our life. We believe you, Lord, for the edifying of the church. 
And we ask that you would help us develop and mature so that we can be a part of that edification. Would you say amen to that? Let's stand on our